Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Hello and welcome to this week's Countryside Podcast with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. And a lot of outdoor stuff uh, this week, Kiri. Um, you were finding out uh, about foraging, not through... Not through the bins, of course. You <laughs> went to see John Farragut, didn't you? Yes, uh, John's been having an organisation uh, to find out more what you can eat in the countryside with herbs and nettles and docks and different things you can find in glens and and just generally what's edible and what's not edible. But yeah, very interesting. Yeah, of course. The the nettle wine. Have you ever had that? Not yet. No. <laughs> but also, there's, there's lots of things as well that the you know that that grow wild. We always aware of the of the garlic so oh, we'll be yes. finding out whether uh, <laughs> you can use that in cooking i'm not sure but also uh, you had a visiting group over of uh, very nice gentlemen they were a lovely bunch of gentlemen from the um grosvenor sheep organization from the south of england um, the knowledge was unbelievable. These gents have travelled around Europe and worldwide, trading ideas and um, genetics and breeding stock. And they are a great hub for people to go through to actually bring in new genetics and bloodlines and different things for various livestock groups. And um, they hold seminars and have up-to-date information. And they've taken over from the ICI, which used to do tours years and years ago, and they've continued to do it. And now they're bringing young people on board to go and visit various farms and, yeah, swap ideas. Yeah, and you as a sheep breeder yourself, did you find it interesting uh, particularly? Very interesting. Yeah. They're up to date on the modern data that we have. We weight record all the pedigree livestock and uh, watch their genetics and how they grow and the different uh, traits that they pick up from their mothers and their fathers. And, and these men were so up to speed with it and you know, the, their thoughts and opinions on it and how it looks for the future is really interesting. Yeah. And also uh, a, a strange subject in a way because a lot of people um, are around the countryside, of course, are, are a bit fearful of, of bats mm. uh, as mammals. And I went along with the Manx Bat Group uh, to go on one of their walks around Lazare Loop Road and it was pretty fascinating their, their love for, for these misunderstood creatures really. Well they can be quite frightened about I know when they come down the lane at night time in the summer at our place yeah, they, they do they ruffle through you they mm. pass your ears and you, you do get a bit of a fright but the Manx ones are so much smaller than the ones you see at the wildlife park and yeah it's nice to see people continuing to follow them. They are. So that's all in this week's countryside. So here it is. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. The Grosvenor Sheep Group travelled around the Isle of Man visiting various farms and I caught up with them to see what they thought of farming in the Isle of Man. So, Michael, this is your first time to the Isle of Man. You've come with the Grosvenor Sheep Group. A long time established group, I hear. Yes, that's absolutely right. We've been established as the Grosvenor Group for about 30, 35 years. And how did it all come about? It all came about really because of an ICI system of doing records for people. I wasn't a member of the ICI group, but we got together, three of us got together and said, well, we must carry this on because ICI have gone off it. And Tony wanted, was prepared to be our secretary, which was absolutely essential. 
And so we reformed the group then and we invited about 30 people, asked them if they'd like to join us. And you say the, the membership now is about that level, isn't it? Yeah. So what does the Grosvenor Group do in particular? Is it mostly farm visits and ideas? Yes, we only meet once a year now and we go one year we're in Europe and the other year we're in, somewhere in the UK. We usually take four or five days away from home and we go to farms, supposedly all sheep farms. In fact, they cover all forms of livestock and of course we're interested in the animal as well because most of us have got a certain amount of arable. Yeah, I see, because most sheep farmers now will have some beef cattle or, or dairy. They run hand in hand. Yes, they do, absolutely. For us to be able to see what they do and to hear our comments is helpful for both of us. I think always on these visits, we tend to feel that farmers we visit benefit by the visit, and we certainly do. You said one of your most favourite visits was to Germany many years ago. Ah, yes, that was outstanding because we went to eastern Germany when the wall came down. So literally we had to go through the standing wall, but we came through that and we went round there. And we went to a commune that had 10,000 hectares, Goodness. it was 25,000 acres, and we suddenly found that they were completely lost. They had no idea what to do. They had lots of good equipment. They had a building team, they had mechanics, but they were a complete shambles. And they were so pleased for us to stand up and talk to them and tell them what, how we saw their business and how we might help. And I'm sure a lot was gained by both of us for that. And you travelled last year to the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Yes. And now they're, they're wanting to come to, the, to GB, is that right? Tony, you'll probably know more about this. Yes. What happened, in fact, was that uh, we went out there and they invited us back to their autumn conference. I had thought they'd forgotten about it, but they suddenly <laughs> turned up and said, can we have five speakers within four weeks? We found five speakers there and we went back to outside Prague. We were there for two days as their guests, but we had to earn our keep by giving a conference. So that was happening there. We swapped ideas, we learned a lot from each other, and we, grew, we got some good contacts. Quite a few of them wanted to buy some breeding stock, so we then put them in contact with them from that. But since then, the National Sheep Association are doing a, uh, their biannual event in southern England, and I've invited some of them to come. And they are coming and they wow. said oh, can we see some farms as well so now it's coming to a <laughs> bigger area but luckily they all they have, they have the people are coming speak english and there'll be no problem at all so what might be so two three people may end up quite a quite a few more by the time we finish that's in june anyhow it's a great organization and you know it's a very nucleus very small group of people that are involved with it and um, how, how do you guys are you all just from the one area in england or no, how does it work no we cover we cover the whole south of england going from kent right across to to devon up in, into hereford uh, and across from there and what you've, uh, into norfolk as well so it's, it's, it's sort of south of England, roughly. But we invite people from, from other, other countries, other parts of the country as well. Are most of the group uh, older people, or is the young people getting more involved now? The problem with the younger people, in fact, they all now work on the farm. They have little staff left now, uh, so it's very difficult to get away. But we do persuade them to come along, and it does help from that. We're trying to get younger people, but to get younger people into an established group, it's not very easy sometimes. They have to be special people in their own way to enjoy it and come as well. But they are getting a lot more younger people coming in. And how have you enjoyed your trip to the Isle of Man? Is this your first time here? We've None of us have been here. 
Uh, one of my contacts is uh, Bob Landon, who is a, a contractor, a shearer. He came here. He said, you must come, you must come. My wife said, you must go as well, so we've come. And we looked around the place. The whole problem of finding a new destination to go is to find a contact. Some suggest the NFU and the Max NFU would be absolutely superb in doing everything down. They put themselves out to help us. Without them, we would be totally lost, I'm quite sure. You say the island is quite diverse. Do you find it quite a different terrain to the south of England, possibly? No, it, it varies quite a lot. On our travel across England, we got, seem to have everything in a smaller space, which is you know, down the southwest, up in the mountains, up in the dales. There. It's very much the same, actually. It's very, very beautiful. This year, we're complaining that the spring is a little bit later. Is this something you've noticed? We were the same. Spring was about a month ahead and suddenly we had this very different period. We're now running behind about a month as well. Yeah. Uh, and you're exactly the same as the grass, only just starting before now, be you know, several inches high. Yeah, and so it's very slow. And Michael, what have you enjoyed about visiting the Isle of Man as chairman? You've seen many sites over the years. Is there anything that's stuck in your mind from no, this week? Yeah, I think actually the fact that the attitudes towards uh, livestock, because this is the primary thing, are so similar to ours. And I think we've, we've learned a lot in subtle sort of ways when you go around the farms and you see what they're doing. Obviously, they don't have the arable that we do because we have a fairly substantial amount of arable. But they do have a, a, a they're, they're very good stockmen. And I think we've appreciated what we've seen. That was the chairman, Michael Sykes, and secretary, Tony Cave, of the Grosvenor Sheep Group. Not sure it was a, a group for us, Kiri. It seemed to be uh, on, on the older uh, scale of age. The knowledge was unbelievable, though, Simon. And they travelled mostly all around the world, but mostly around Europe, and you know, trading ideas and swapping thoughts with various farmers, livestock farmers and crops. And uh, they were a great, great bunch of people to gather experience from. And it's funny how, how they, they've evolved from something that used to happen with a, with a sort of club or a, a company and then they just decide, oh, well, it's, it's, it's good, it's good for us, it's probably good experience for other people hearing about it, so they've kept it going, isn't it? They have. That once the ICI had closed down the touring around Britain and whatever organisations they had put on, they decided they wanted to continue and, and they have and... And what the knowledge they've picked up and the sharing now and encouraging younger people to join their Grosvenor Sheep Group, it's it's really good to hopefully keep it going for other generations to come. Yeah, and they sounded as though the Isle of Man um, had that little bit of a different feel to it as well. They thought the Isle of Man was a beautiful yeah. place. They, they find... Uh, it's quite funny how we managed to survive with the export costs of ferry and different things, but it's, it's all new information to them. Ah, they'd get it cheap. well are you scared of bats um we used to see lots of bats down our road in the evenings in the summertime and um i haven't seen them lately but no doubt they'll be back in the summer months well this time of year is the time when of course uh, they've awoke from their hibernation difficult to see them of course in the daytime with them being nocturnal but i went along to the lazare loop road to join the manx bat group to find out if we could see any on the night well, Bob Noon from the Manx Pack Group joined a reasonable party here at Lazare. And um, what are we hoping to? Obviously, bats. But what are we hoping to to pick up tonight? Well, we uh, we have a very good chance indeed of seeing brown long-eared bats, because there is a roost 
very close to here that, uh, that we know of, a brown long-eared roost. So um, later on, when, uh, when it gets really dark, I'm hoping that we can uh, experience some action with uh, brown, brown long-eared bats. And uh, just a few moments ago, when we, were, um, when we were talking about detectors and how to use them, we were, of course, um, honoured by a fly-past from Leisler's bats, possibly two of them and they stayed with us for a few minutes, got a very good view indeed. So uh, that's two species. Aside from that, I would expect that we're going to see pipistrels. And, you know, we've got two species of pipistrel on the island. If we saw both of them, that would be fantastic. In this part of the island, just at Lazare here, it is at least feasible that we could get some of the myotis species as well, and there are three of those. So I'm hopeful that we'll actually see quite a large selection of the seven species that we have in the Isle of Man. Well, we've got everyone kitted up with their hives and their detectors, so uh, a good enthusiastic a lot of people here and mm. some someone's new to it as well oh we've got some there we do indeed and uh, you know what i think those are brown long-eared bats a very good sound recording if i may say so because they they often don't make an awful lot of noise um they have huge ears <laughs> they're, they're called long-eared bats for a very good reason and they can uh, hear exceedingly well and they actually use their sense of hearing for for hunting as much as, as ultrasound, as echolocation. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're often very difficult to pick up on these detectors, but it's a still night, quite mild. You can almost hear the moth's wings flapping. It's, it's so quiet uh, now that the bikes have disappeared. Yeah, I, I think we're going to have a very good night's uh, bat watching indeed. Well, Bob, we're here by Lazare Church. Um, you said, I think it was the long-eareds that uh, you think are, are roosting here? Brown long-eared, yes. There's been a brown long-eared roost here for many years. They're often quite difficult to pick up because they, they use very, very quiet ultrasound. Because of their long ears, they have wonderful hearing and they don't have to use loud noise to get a bounce back off the uh, target insect when they're echolocating so the advantage is that some insects can actually tell when bats are pinging them so the long-eared bat uses much lower intensity of ultrasound and as a result that doesn't alarm the now that was yeah that was louder than i expected from a long-eared bat but i think long-eared it was must have come very close to us. Are you saying that um, the insects over the years have, have, have evolved to, to sort of put up a defence against they being have, attacked? They, they have. Moths have a little structure. You couldn't really call it an ear, but it behaves a bit like an ear that lets them hear ultrasound. And so when the bats are using ultrasound to find the moths, the moth can actually tell and it takes avoiding action. It's a reflex, an instinctive reflex. Crumples its wings and drops out of the uh, flight path. So uh, as a result, the bat misses the moth. Mm. But long-eared bats, and there you are, you see it's quite a soft sound there from a passing long-eared bat. Long-eared bats use a much lower intensity of sound so they don't actually trigger that avoidance reflex mm. in the moth. Long-eared bats catch moths where other bats fail so this there's this sort of 
arms race between predator and prey, which I think is rather nice. Can you hear that's a much drier sound? And you're picking it up at 60, 70, all the way down to 35. We've got some uh, first-timers on the Manx Bat Group Walk as well. What's your name? Gillian. How have you found it? Interesting it experience? Brilliant, yeah. Got to see them and got to hear them on the little machine. I wasn't expecting to. <laughs> no, I thought it was amazing. So nice that we've got the machines to pick them up, but you can actually see them as well earlier on, couldn't we? And with, you well, know, with I, the light I could see them earlier with the light, when it was light. And then other people were getting them on the machine and I wasn't. You know, and then suddenly... <gasps> <laughs> What made you what made you come tonight? I just heard it on Manx Radio that it was on and I thought that's gotta be worth a go. I'm you kind of interested in the wildlife, but I never thought about bats actually. <laughs> so who else have we got here? I'm Tanya. Your first time as well. It is, yeah, first yeah. time. Yeah, and well, what have you made of it? It's been very interesting. I've learnt quite a lot tonight. It's been very good. Yeah, because as soon as you, the people are hearing them on the machines, you can you yeah. can look out and see yeah. them. And it's been a fabulous night. It has, yeah. It sounds like it's been quite an extraordinary night from what the back group are saying. And what about, you're always interested in things out in the, in the wild, animals and birds and things? Or is this something new that you're sort of doing? Yeah, this is sort of new to me. Would you go again on one? Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. Alright, glad it's been a good night. Yeah, it's been great. Well, the evening strolled to a close, Bob. It's been a fascinating one and a, a very successful one, I'd imagine, from your point of view. It has indeed, uh, Simon. There are a few occasions where you can walk just a few hundred yards and pick up activity from five out of our seven Manx species. And I say at least five because there are, there are some bats that have passed us tonight which uh, actually I haven't been able to identify. People get this impression, though, that, that bats can't see at all, don't they? Ah, yes, they do indeed. It's one of those myths. Blind as a bat. Can, yeah, indeed. I, I've no idea, really, how that idea ever, ever came about. Uh, I think it just must be a confused notion because they fly at night, they can't be using their eyes. But actually, all bats can see very well. And their night vision is certainly better than, than yours or mine. Mm. Oh, yes, they, are. they can see extremely well. But this echolocation, this ultrasound, and we, we tend to concentrate quite a lot on the electronics here because it's, well, because it, I, I suppose, like uh, most men, deep inside there is a, a, a geek fighting to get out. And I, I just find the idea of animals that can find their way simply by using sound and building up sound pictures of their environment is is compelling and, and really very interesting. Mm, and you must be pleased uh, that there's been some, some new people out uh, with us tonight as well? Yes, yes indeed, and um, I've given them a taste for uh, what it can be like, which is um, quite a lot of bat activity that, that we know about and can explain. But actually there's there are a fair number of unknowns in this as well, and uh, some things are, are still a bit of a mystery and there's lots of stuff still to find out. Well, some of the people there from the Isle of Man Bat Group on their bat walk uh, around Lazare, and fascinating it was. I, I've been on the bat walks before um, around places like Kurt Michael, and uh, the little um, sounders that they have to to hear them pick up the echo from the bats. It's quite scary because you can't see nothing. You can just hear this little thing chattering away, and then suddenly one you can see it going past you. So. 
the enthusiasm from them, though, because, uh, like they say, they're so misunderstood bats by people. They think of them as these, oh, these scary. horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not, are they? No, but uh, I'm not <laughs> sure you'd like to go to bed with, with one alongside of you. But when you see them in the wildlife park and things, then big fruit bats are they're massive. massive. They are massive as well. But again, um, it's nice to see that a lot of people are interested in the Isle of Man in just preserving another little part of the world's wildlife, isn't it? It's lovely to see. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. There was a chance to find out what was edible and not edible in the Manx countryside at Noah Bakehouse. I went along to speak to John Farragher from Food for Free to find out more about foraging on the Isle of Man. Basically, yeah, it's all about responsible foraging, about basically getting out of the countryside, looking at plants, identifying plants that are edible, some of them medicinal, but also, yeah, just enjoying the fresh air and getting out there and enjoying this beautiful uh, island. Recently, you've been at Port Sodrick Glen. 20 edible plants is this right <laughs> yeah in tw- fact 24 but i didn't want to show off yeah 20 edible plants um i sort of went up the, the glen myself a couple of times and uh, did a couple of reckeys and then we had a walk on monday night and it was brilliant yeah it's really good it's it's, it's just amazing the, the diversity of uh, plant life that you can find do you have to know what you're looking for you, you have to know what you're looking for uh, there's certain families that uh, are quite dangerous and, and you can get the uh, ugly sister look-alike some some that are downright Poisonous, Deadly poisonous, yeah, yeah, especially the carrot family. You've just got to be careful. The carrots and the buttercup family, they're the two worst. So, yeah, it's getting to know the plants, what they look like, getting to know them through every stage of their life, so knowing what they look like in spring, summer, autumn. And will you run courses for people to come and yeah. join in? How does it work? Yeah, we do walks. I do walks that uh, are just free for people to attend. Um, and uh, certain areas, I do one round West Baldwin, I'll do Port Sodrick Glen, just always looking for other areas. You know, at the end of the day, if you see a plant in Port Sodrick Glen, it looks exactly the same as you see it in West Baldwin or in Balaf or wherever. So once you've learned to identify that plant, you'll be noticing it everywhere you go. It's, uh, so will you have certain recipes you can put some of these plants with? or? Yeah, there's, there's recipes out there. I mean, half the fun is just the research, looking into it yourself, buying the books, looking on YouTube, going online talking to people you know everybody knows the old ramsons the wild garlic oh, making lovely. pesto it's fantastic we're just having pizzas tonight here in noah and the pesto's got wild ramsons that i foraged earlier today and it's delicious and it's just a unique flavor and the taste is brilliant and yeah it's just just great it's, it's so much fun and you know you, you get what you put into it so if you put a lot of effort into it you get a lot of result out of it and and it's just it's just great being outdoors you know got a bit of a tan on me yeah so yeah it's good and does the manx countryside have anything special compared to the uk or is it quite similar it's similar to the uk there's it, it usually depends on soil type really you get certain plants like alkaline soil some like chalk some like it just depends uh, the isle of man has one unique plant a type of cabbage which uh, i've only found once on the isle of man and as it's a protected species i wouldn't pick it obviously yeah, but sure. yeah we have an isle of man cabbage so yeah it's <laughs> but unique. pretty special yeah. <laughs> and tonight at nowhere you're basically putting it out there for people yeah this is second talk I've done. Um, I did a talk at Douglas Library. It was well attended, full house. Uh, it was a short um, presentation. It was my first one, so it was a bit of a trial and error. Um, this, this presentation's a little bit longer in conjunction with the uh, uh, Food Friday's um, promotion.
reception and it's good and it's as you can see looking around there must be about 40 50 people here it's and it's, it's only early good. as well it's only early yeah so and the food's delicious i'll add and it's nice it's all manx as well you know we're very yeah. lucky to live in such a, a lovely place yeah it's just dead easy uh, we are lucky you can you can leave douglas and 10 minutes later you're in the countryside, you know, you're not in Asphalt City, you're not living in co concrete, so uh, it's brilliant. So people can find you on Facebook and Twitter yeah, yeah. and such like? Uh, just Facebook at the moment. If I, if I had an extra five hours a day, I might go on Twitter. Um, <laughs> it, um, yeah, Facebook, it's Food for Free Isle of Man. Um, just join the page, you'll see posts regularly from me. Um, updates when I'm doing my walks and talks. Uh, things like that. Also, I'm available if people do want to arrange a walk. They can contact me. My email is foodforfreeiom at yahoo.com. Or you can give me a ring on 417 119 uh, and I can arrange a private walk for you know a group of. Passing the knowledge on and you know putting it out there is a really special yeah. thing to do. Yeah, they say that the best way to learn is to teach, and, and you know I've learned so much in the in the years that I've been doing it, and I don't profess to, to be an expert because you never know everything, and um, you know it's it's just really good. You know, I'm, I'm bringing a guy over in August who's uh, who is you know much much more knowledgeable than me, and he's going to come over and do some some walks and talks. Oh, wow. So you know that's something to look forward to. Um, I've myself I've been to uh, a couple of courses in Cornwall. Um, with a couple of recognised, well, who are what they call experts in the UK. You've got Emma Gunn from the Eden Project and Marcus Harrison, um, who's you know he's been doing foraging and wild plants for 40 years. You know, it's a fantastic amount of knowledge and very enjoyable and, and interesting as well. That was John Farragher from Food for Free. You'd fit in well there, Kerry, uh, with your reputation, letting all the cows and sheep out and other people's land eat their grass. <laughs> All the glens of Fairybridge lately. Oh, my word. It's been a long spring, though, Simon. Yes, but it's, it's interesting, that, though, isn't it? Because I know well, in, in our youth, you know, we used to pinch an odd apple from an orchard somewhere where nobody was really living and they were just going to fall on the ground. But a lot people are a bit more protective, I think, of them now. And, and it was nice that he wasn't really talking about that. It was just stuff around various parts of the Isle of Man that um, you can maybe help with an odd herb and things for cooking. Well, that's it. He was recently down Port Sodrick Glen and they had a good turn out there and they were going through looking at the different greenery in the sides, the nettles and the docks and different things and what you can do with them. And 20 things in the Glen that you can eat. It's unbelievable as we just walk past them. Yeah, I was thinking earlier when when you introduced it about whether there'd be nothing in there after bin day. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's nice that it's sort of connected with the countryside as well because people even out maybe just for for a walk normally may find some interesting things to to help with their cooking or, or well that's it they add these different herbs and leaves to their dishes and they basically really taste nice and make mm. a real difference yeah well we'll have to try some one day we will but that's uh, just about it for this week's country show just a couple of uh, events to remind you of the uh, friends of st jude's church they'll be having their ttt's on the st jude street over the tt period and also uh, you've got an event uh, that's happening as well that the public can get involved in. Yes, on Mad Sunday we have an open farm Sunday it's called, uh, where we open up the farm for all visitors, young and old, to come and experience modern day farming. It's an annual open day across the UK and we've volunteered this year to have our farm to be part of it. Um, I don't think there's any other farms on the island doing it, with it being Mad Sunday, but it's a perfect opportunity for visitors to 
come and experience something different. Well, I couldn't really have one on the TT course, I suppose. Well, so that's at it. Orisdale Farm in Balasala. Orisdale Farm in Balasala from 10am onwards. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, there we had uh, foraging in the Manx countryside, the uh, Grosvenor Sheep Group and uh, Bats on this week's programme, so another varied selection. And uh, so fascinating, we always uh, used to speak about how much you learn by presenting countryside, Kerry. Are you finding that? Yes, you do. You meet so many different organisations and, and people with various hobbies and the amount of knowledge I've gained this, you know, this last sort of couple of months has been unbelievable and the opportunity to meet people is fantastic. We'll be back uh, the same time next week with more. So from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kerry Kermode. We'll see you then. Ta-da. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being Shaw. Terms and conditions apply.